Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Today we have feedback from Indiana Jim on the Dialogue series. Jim says... I just listened to the first episode of your dialogue series, and you know how much I love Firefly and Serenity. I do agree with you that Joss Whedon doesn't always hit the mark. I think he really hit it with Firefly and Serenity, and the Avengers films that he did, but his other stuff kind of falls flat for me. What you said about Aaron Sorkin makes sense, because A Few Good Men really sings, while The West Wing wears an explicit political bias on its sleeve. Even if you look past it, The West Wing is much flatter than A Few Good Men was. Yeah, I say that, but I've never watched either. I have. Best parts of The West Wing were the um, were the guest stars they had in. The fresh characters always spoke with more interesting voices than the regulars. Where I would love more specific examples is in the area of giving the reader or viewer the internal context. I take particular pride in my dialogue, not for anything clever or witty but more for economy of style, getting to the heart of the conflict, and in particular, I like to think that I am providing that internal context. But if you can share what doing it right and doing it wrong looks like specifically, that may help. When I think of giving the viewer or reader internal context through dialogue, a lot of that is going to be, I think, word choices and how someone chooses to describe um, something smells bad or something tastes good, what words they use to describe those things um, will give you a lot of context into their internal attitudes towards that thing more than the actual facts of this tasted good or this smelled bad. But beyond that, a lot of, a lot of the internal context for dialogue kind of comes up with the dialogue tags. Well, they can. Giving the internal context through narration and dialogue tags is the easy way to do it, but it doesn't make your dialogue sparkle. What makes your dialogue sparkle is when the words themselves reveal the internal context specifics of how you do this, well, I'm, everybody does it differently in the way they speak. Okay, you guys have been listening to me yabber on for about five years on this podcast, and some of you have been around ever since the Reprobates Hour, which was like, God, 15 years ago almost. Really? Really. Have I been alive that long? Yeah, I know. It's amazing. I totally robbed the cradle. You're going to be able to drive next year. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you listening, part of the reason this is funny is that she's older. (laughs) Shh. (laughs) Okay, so you've been listening to me yabber on for all these years. Even if you hadn't heard me talk about anything about my background, you would be able to tell from the 
level of my vocabulary, from the way that I construct complex thoughts and string them together, and the way that my mind is a little hyperkinetic, even though my delivery on pod is deliberately slow, so that I don't talk a mile a minute and then can't edit it properly. I had to train myself to do that, by the way. If you want to hear how I really talk, when I'm really into a conversation, listen to some of those early Reprobates Hour episodes. Oh my god. Impossible to edit. Um, you can tell from all of those things some things about me. You can get an idea about what I find interesting, exciting, important. You can tell that... I am either a bookworm or I have an academic background. In fact, both are true. Um, you can tell by the sorts of imagery and metaphor that I employ that I'm a science fiction fan, that I was raised in a house where the Bible was used quite a lot, and that I have a great affection and affinity for ancient mythology and for history. And you can pick all of that up without hearing me say any of those things simply by the images that I choose to use, the words I choose to use. The other thing you can tell is that I have been doing this a long time, and by this I mean teaching. I have actually been teaching something to someone in one form or another since I was about 12 years old. And because of that... I'm pretty good at pulling, um, and now of course I'm struggling for words, I'm pretty good at pulling analogies out of thin air from anything near at hand. Oh my god, is he ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I live with him. He could make an analogy out of a cheese sandwich. <laughs> I did. In fact, <laughs> in a book that we are currently in the editing process of, he does have a long, a long analogy where he likens a cheese sandwich to Indiana Jones. Yep, Indiana Jones. And it, it includes something about Indiana Jones smelling awful if you leave him out too long, just like a cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Dan pulls random analogies out of anything. Yeah, let's see if I can remember. I say uh, I'm talking about uh, how analogies work in terms of uh, forming analogies to help you learn, and uh, I talk about a. You, a way in which an analogy can be useful and informative versus not useful and informative at all. And I say, in some ways, for example, Indiana Jones is very like a cheese sandwich. They both are packed with a great deal of lactic acid, they're made with animal protein, and they smell funny if you leave them out in the sun for too long. Um, there are other ways in which Indiana Jones is not like a cheese sandwich. Indiana Jones, for example, is fictitious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I'm really good at pulling analogies out of thin air. I, th I believe I wrote that analogy. Also, a thin layer of mustard does not improve. In yes, Indiana that's true. I did say that too. I actually wrote that analogy while she was cooking a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking for an analogy to illustrate the point. And I'm like, ah, a cheese sandwich. What? Oh, Indiana Jones could be like a cheese sandwich. Let's find <laughs> 
But you'll have heard, you know, a number of times on this show, I'll talk about um, talk about my dog or whatnot, and it's because my dog's in front of me. Or I'll talk about fires because I record these near a fire pit. So many times when I'm talking about something, I'm actually talking about a thing I'm looking at. Now, you guys don't know that because it's radio or the equivalent, and you wouldn't know that anyway because if it was video, you wouldn't be looking at what I'm looking at. But nonetheless... But you could deduce a lot of these things just from listening to the way I speak. And if I want to disguise parts of my background, I can switch up my vocabulary. I can use simpler words that don't have many syllables. Um, I can speak at a second or third grade level. I can, um, I can cut out all the profanity, which I've had to get pretty decent at for this podcast since I don't want to have to bleep too many times in an episode because the bleeps actually take time to drop in. But, um, you know, in real life, um, you can definitely tell I'm a Californian because I have a vocabulary that would make a New Yorker blush. (laughs) And and would make sailors and welders feel right at home. Um, And does. That's why I love you. Well, you grew up with a sailor. Um, but you also reveal character by what characters won't talk about, or what they will. The circumlocution in the context of whatever culture they're in. If you've got someone who won't speak directly about sex or religion or politics, and they're in a culture where those things are done all the time, you know they've got an issue. But if they don't speak directly about sex, religion, or politics in a culture where those things are taboo, it's a whole other kind of characterization. And if they do speak freely about sex, religion, and politics, when it's taboo, well, you've got another kind of characterization. Um, to be perfectly frank, there's only about, you know, 10 or 12 conversations anyone ever has. Um, yeah. There's small talk. There's what's wrong with our relationship. There's, there's an emergency going on and I need, th- I need something. There's, I'm fucking with you because you are risible or contemptible in my eyes. There's conversations that are about information exchange, there's conversations that are about problem solving, and there's conversations that are about status. And all of those three things are usually in play in most conversations, though not all of them. Or those last three things, relationships, problem solving, and uh, domination. Their social positioning. All three of those things are usually in play in every conversation, but weighted this way and that way, depending on what it is. But from those very three minor things, you can make anything happen. And the way you make the dialogue sparkle is that you have... It, it's like method acting. The characters... No, it's not like method acting, actually. But method acting is a good place to start. With method acting, you... Act as you would if you were feeling these emotions that this character was feeling, and you were in this situation. And you move one step beyond that into the kind of thing that the really great actors do, people like Anthony Hopkins. You are acting in a way where you're acting the way these characters would act in this situation. And as you write, you go through, if you concentrate on your characterization, um, and your dialogue is the biggest part of that, 
you concentrate on your characterization, you move along that same angle. You start off play-acting, like we all do as children. We dress up as somebody. So you have in the situation, you have the cop and the baker and the guy that's been pulled over, for, or the guy that's been uh, trying to hold the baker up before the cop came in. And they these are all social roles. They, these three characters basically have costumes on, and it's just you play-acting the part of these different characters. And then you move hopefully on up to the method acting where you immerse yourself in these different characters. And then if you really care about it and you really put in the work to get good, you move up to being a god. And I actually mean that kind of literally. You move up to the place where you are creating characters who are not you in any readily detectable sense who have different personalities, reactions, and whatnot, and you are writing their dialogue as them. This is, this is what um, authors usually mean when their characters are speaking to them. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. And when your characters are speaking to you, that's an indication that you're getting to the point where you are successfully inducing multiple personality disorder in yourself for the purposes <laughs> of art. Uh, I joke, but it's actually it, it's kind of a it, it's kind of a functional MPD that you can do. We just talked in the last episode that we recorded. I don't know what episode, what order they'll air in, about the book that book of mine that Kitty's editing right now. That's a bit of a mess. But I tell you, one thing I had fun with on that book, like I haven't had fun with on Down from Ten, is the diversity of the characters and having to get into that many different characters that deeply. Boy, that was fun. Creepy, but fun. Because <laughs> unlike Down from Ten, it's a uh, dark and pulpy book instead of a gentle and loving book. But nonetheless, it was a lot of fun. Anyway, I hope that helps. Thanks for sending it in, Jim. Good luck. And I'll see you tomorrow. Everyday Novelist is written by J. Daniel Sawyer and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty McKinnon. It's produced by Artistic Whispers Productions, Incorporated. Text is copyright 2021, J. Daniel Sawyer, and the production is copyright 2021, Artistic Whispers Productions, Incorporated podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. All other rights are reserved to their respective owners. Join the conversation. Submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat. Or find me at jdsawyeronminds.com or hit me at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't without you.